You weren't clapping for me, I'm quite sure. Clapping for those wonderful uh, instrumentalists who've joined us today for worship. Welcome to them and welcome to all of you. Welcome everybody to Germantown Presbyterian Church. It's a delight to welcome everybody who's worshiping with us in person today. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And a warm welcome to everyone who's joining us online. We are delighted that you are here with us as well. If you were, are worshiping with us online, you can download the bulletin. You can go to the church website, download the bulletin, and you'll see everything that we're doing as part of this act of worship. And we invite you to join us all along the way. So welcome indeed, everybody, and especially if you're a visitor this morning. We're so delighted that you're here. We hope you feel very much at home here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all who are visiting. We do have visitor packs in the back. There are these bright yellow bags, and they've got all kinds of good information in them about GPC. And you can uh, take a pack, you can learn a little bit more about the church, and you can find out your place and your niche to come and be part of our family of faith. So indeed, welcome everybody worshiping with us today. Please do sign the friendship pad that's there in the inside aisle of your pew, the uh, little maroon pad there, if you would mark your name and attendance down with us. And you can sign the online friendship pad if you're worshiping with us online. Please mark your attendance. And if you are a visitor and you'd like to know more about GPC, then uh, just put your telephone number down, your contact information, and we would be so happy to tell you more about our family of faith. After each service, there's a minister down front right here. If you have any questions about GPC, if you're a visitor, or if you have any prayer concerns, any upcoming surgeries, anything you'd like uh, for us to know about, then please come see the minister down front. And that minister would be delighted to pray with you and uh, to listen to any questions or answer any questions that you might have. We've been looking forward to this day for a long time because we are back to our usual Sunday routine. We had 8.30 worship service earlier today. Of course, our late morning 11 o'clock worship service, we had Sunday school and Gibson Donuts are back in between in the activity center. The most joyous news of the day, probably. Um, we have evening worship this, this evening at 6 in Warren Hall. We also have our um, youth group activity starting up this afternoon. 5.30, junior and senior high come, and then they'll, they'll separate and go their separate ways for part of that uh, time, and then they'll come back together for a meal. So please do come, uh, all of our youth, this afternoon at 5.30 to the activity centers. We start our youth group program up, junior and senior high youth group up this afternoon. And there are lots of good things that the whole church can do to support our youth program. They're going to have breakfast in the morning for Sunday school, and they'll have a meal in the evening, and we're going to put out a sign-up genius. And if you want to support our youth program, one of the best things you can do is, is uh, provide a breakfast casserole or to provide a supper in the evening. And you can hear more about that and see that, and we'll make sure that sign-up genius gets out uh, to everybody in the whole church so we can all support the work of what they are doing. Don't uh, forget all women are invited to the PW officer installation, and that's this coming Tuesday at 10 a.m. Uh, in Sin Warren Hall. If you have any questions, you can contact uh, Nancy Halter. You can contact Bonnie Algie, and they'd be glad to tell you more about that, but you're invited to participate in this wonderful annual event for our PW group, and that's this coming Tuesday at 10 a.m. Next Saturday, we've got another outdoor concert. We've been looking forward to this in our Arthur Road parking lot, the Ramblers, led by Chuck Utterback. 
and some of his uh, musical accompanists are coming, and it's funny, and it's entertaining, and uh, it's always lively. I know you'll enjoy that. That's at 6 p.m. next next Saturday in this parking lot. It got rained out last time, so if it does rain this time, we're going to move inside, and we'll do it in the uh, activity center. So please do make plans to come next Saturday for the uh, Ramblers concert. Friends, we'll have a September uh, luncheon for inquirers, people who are thinking about joining GPC. There'll be a luncheon on September the 12th, and uh, you can see Amy Phillips, and I think her contact information is in the bulletin. If you'd like to, uh, if you've been visiting with us online or in person for the last several uh, weeks or months, and you want to know more about making GPC your family of faith, your church home, then please do sign up for that uh, inquirer's lunch on September the 12th at noon in Warren Hall. Friends, our session met last uh, week, and we came up with uh, what we think are some helpful guidelines for people as we continue to respond to the uh, COVID uh, situation that's all around us. You've seen the headlines, you know the numbers, and uh, we got lots of good feedback to the gpc-covid at germantownperez.org email. Some really good feedback, helpful feedback, feedback that spanned, as you can imagine, the wide range of opinions when it comes to what we ought to do as a church and how we ought to respond. And we are grateful for uh, all of those. And so you might have received an email from the session that came on Friday and uh, essentially, the, the session is strongly recommending that while people are inside, that they mask up and that they wear a mask and that we're doing this as a way of uh, looking out for those who are sometimes the least of these, like children who can't be vaccinated yet and others who can't be vaccinated for one reason or another. And so we'll have those uh, guidelines posted on our website. We'll have those available for you. And uh, Thank you for um, all of your feedback, and again, you can email that email address and tell us your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions, and all of those will be read by our session, I can assure you. Friends, last but not least, let me tell you that since we worshiped last, uh, we've had a death in the church family, and that was for Jim Kenny, and I can still see Jim where he used to sit right there in front of David and Brenda, and on that section right there. Jim was a great member of our church. I know many of you knew Jim. I I said yesterday at his service that uh, Jim and Jane both just had this sort of magnetic quality because uh, everybody wanted to go see them after church, and they were just such great folks. Jim lived a a wonderfully long life. He died at age 95, and uh, it's just a shame, again, because of the, the whole COVID situation that we don't have funerals like we used to, and and families are a little bit wary of that because I know that this sanctuary would have had so many people in it coming uh, to remember Jim fondly and to thank God for his life. So please keep Jane in your thoughts and in your prayers, and uh, this time in her life, she also needs us to, to be praying for her and thinking of her. And so we remember Jim so fondly, and I invite you to keep their family, their extended family, children and great grandchildren, everybody in your prayers as we remember Jim and as we worship God and thank God for his life. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now I invite you to prepare your hearts and minds to worship God.
Let us join our hearts and minds together as we worship our God of amazing grace. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing praises to God's name. Proclaim the Lord's salvation day after day. Declare God's glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Our God is to be feared above all gods. Splendor and majesty go before the Lord, and strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Let all creation joy before the Lord, who is coming to judge the earth.
is merciful and just, and God is quick to forgive those who repent. Let us acknowledge our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Holy God, we acknowledge our love for you, and we admit our foolish sin before you. We have not loved you or others with a pure heart. We often think of you as a mirage, aloof and hands-off. We are often paralyzed by sin, and we look at others with envy and disdain. Forgive our suspicious minds and cleanse us with your burning love. Turn our hearts of stone and purge our memories of sin. Starting today, may we live within your never-ending love and amazing grace. Remind us that with you, we will never walk alone. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His resurrection brings us new life in God's presence. I declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward for the children's sermon, please greet those around you with a sign of God's peace. Well, good morning, boys. <laughs> How's everybody today? Good. You should be great, and your tummy should be full because we had a great pancake breakfast this morning, didn't we? Did you enjoy it? It was a great way to kick off um, the Sunday school year with our back-to-school pancake breakfast. Back to Sunday school, we were out on the South Field, and we had a really great time. And I encouraged our children and our youth that were there um, I encourage them, my message to them this morning was to be involved and be in touch weekly with your Sunday school class and with your teachers because um, I've heard Sunday school described before as just Sunday school, but it is not just Sunday school. 
it is an important event that happens weekly in the life of children and youth. It's so important, and truly, it is the greatest gift that we can give to them is um, encouraging them and pointing them to Jesus in their life. So we're so glad to welcome them back. We are so glad to have um, new teachers among us this year. And um, I just want to remind everybody that when these children come to Sunday school, they're learning about the Bible from their teachers. They're in a community of faith um, with their peers, and um, they're developing a mentoring relationship with their teachers. And there's just really nothing more important to them in, in this life is, is that those relationships, those Christian relationships, um, as we try to grow our children and point them in the way of Jesus. Um, so I just want to um, recognize a few teachers this morning. I want to just say a special thank you to these teachers who are teaching here at GPC this year. Um, so if you will stand when I kind of go through our little list here, and I will um, just thank you and um, pray for you. And I will I'll also say we, we have a lack of teachers, um, especially in children. We need another teacher for our first, second, and third grade class, and we need another teacher for our fourth and fifth grade class. So if at all you have a heart for children and um, can help join these teams, we would really, really appreciate that. So if you will please stand if you teach preschool for us this year. Or if you teach, there's Lee in the back, if you teach elementary school, Sunday school this year, thank you. Um, if you teach junior high or senior high this year, and y'all can remain standing. I know. <laughs> um, if you teach confirmation this year, and if there's any adult leaders that teach adult classes, will you please um, stand as well because you are also mentoring Christians in, your, in, in their faith. So we really appreciate you all, and um, if you will just stand as I pray for you, and I just thank you really and truly from the bottom of our heart for this time that you donate every week to these children. So will you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Father in heaven, thank you. We come to you um, in prayer with thanksgiving for all these people who are willing to give their time and their effort um, to teach the next generation, um, to teach them in the way, in your way. We know how much, um, how meaningful this is in these children and youth's lives and other adults' lives. And we just um, thank you and ask that you be present with us as we um, work with the Holy Spirit to teach the next generation um, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, as we come to this time where we rededicate this beautiful space as our sanctuary and we rededicate the children's rooms and all the other rooms uh, in our church building, we do so with uh, a few thoughts in mind. I just want to narrate to you uh, first before we do this ceremony, 
I want to narrate to you what a beautiful day February the 19th started out to be. You may remember, of course, that week we had uh, incredible snow and ice and freezing temperatures move up from the southwest, and they sort of descended upon our area in uh, that third week of February earlier this year. And February the 19th was kind of a a wonderful breakout day because... uh, put the car in four-wheel drive and made it here to the church, had a great lunch with our soon-to-be associate pastor who was passing through town, and he unloaded um, lots of books and things in his office. And then I said, I'm going to take advantage of this beautiful day because it was bright sunshine, um, the bluest of blue winter skies. And I said, I'm going to take pictures of our beautiful church. I'm going to go around, and this is such a unique opportunity, and I took some of the most exquisite winter scene pictures of this beautiful church and that day was uh, was such a good day up until about 8:53 or so <laughs> when we started getting phone calls about something wrong here at the church and what was wrong of course you know was that a pipe burst in the narthex and it flooded this entire room with about an inch and a half to 2 inches of water it went down the hallway And then gravity did its work, and it pulled it down into the children's Sunday school area and parts of our preschool and the hallway down there. And as you know, everything in here and everything downstairs was, for all intents and purposes, to some degree or another, ruined. Ruined by those floodwaters. But what happened next proved to me, again just the greatness and the resilience of this church body because almost instantaneously within just a few minutes of of getting word about that broken pipe, people were here. They were here and they were salvaging furniture and they came up that night and they moved furniture out and went and saved things out of the preschool before they got too waterlogged and too water damaged. And then the next day, it was just like a beehive of activity up here. One of the first persons I saw up here was Patty Bradford, who is, was then and is now the chair of our Buildings and Grounds Committee. What a year to be chair of the Buildings and Grounds Committee. But Patty was up here. I saw Gary Mosley. I saw other members of the Buildings and Grounds Committee up here, and they were working feverishly to catalog and assess and, and save things and move things, even more things, up to, uh, to, to dry, dry ground. And so a special word of gratitude goes out to Patty Bradford and to her whole committee for all the work that you all did, not just in the, the immediate moment of that crisis, but over the next four months as you helped us respond to that, as did our fabulous furnishings committee, which is led by Mickey Neighbors. Um, Mickey also and Steve and many of their crew, they were up here that next day cataloging everything, putting everything in order, salvaging so much, assessing so much. And between our furnishings committee and our building and and grounds committee, we had people do amazing things. And then when it came time to, to rebuilding and reconstructing and refurnishing this, this great room and all of our rooms, these two ladies and those that they represent did a phenomenal job. And I think you will join me in expressing our appreciation to them.
And I want to introduce to you also someone who's become a good friend of Germantown Presbyterian Church, and that is Jamie Carpenter of Moss Carpenter Construction. Jamie, would you stand up for a minute? <laughs> Jamie is here with his family, his wife Emily and their son West, and Amy and Elizabeth and Martha's here also. They're a great family. They've come to worship with us as well. I just want to tell you that Jamie has become a good friend and a resource to this congregation. He was here the next day also, and he was here to assess and help. And uh, it was not the first time he's helped us recover. We had another flood in March of 2020 downstairs, and we, we had a uh, refurbishment, refurbishment of the activity center, you may know, last summer with a new roof and new paint job and new ceiling tile and new everything in there and it was thanks to Jamie and his crew that those projects got done and Jamie and his crew who helped uh, re, uh, reinstate this space and so Jamie we are grateful for you as well thank you and so we want to do something special we start our program year today and we want to rededicate not only this space but rededicate all of our facilities to the glory of God and to the service of Christ's kingdom and, and rededicate each one of our lives to do the same. There are important moments in life where individuals recommit themselves to God at, at baptisms, at weddings. They do so um, doing affirmations of faith, and we do so today as a congregation and as a fellowship of Christ's followers. We do so today during this litany of thanksgiving now. And so I invite you to remain standing and different ones of us, excuse me, to remain seated. <laughs> we'll stand, you remain seated. And we'll go through this litany of thanksgiving as we praise God for this space and for all of our spaces. Thank you. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my heart and, and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God and live in the tents of wickedness. Your grace, O God, you have brought us into your covenant through the waters of baptism, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the body of Christ, our church. At our baptismal font, may lives be claimed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the work and witness of your people in this world. May everyone who comes through the waters of baptism be renewed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Today we dedicate our baptismal font and its waters as visible signs of your visible grace. God of mercy, we rejoice that our Savior invites all who trust him to share in the feast that he has prepared. We come with hunger of our souls that can feed only on the bread of life and the cup of salvation. Gracious God, we come to you empty, 
And you invite us to take and eat and drink. As you feed us at the table, Lord, may we, your earthen vessels, carry your treasure to the world. We dedicate our communion table as a sign of your coming kingdom. You have spoken your word, O God, through the prophets and apostles, and in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We dedicate our pulpit as a place where your word will be faithfully proclaimed. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Trusting in Jesus Christ, we dedicate our satchel in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Eternal God, our praises join with the songs of heavenly choirs and the music of the universe. May our organ and all instruments encourage our praise and lift our singing to your throne as faithful prayers in times of joy and times of sorrow. God of wisdom and truth, we dedicate our education rooms as places for nurturing families, equipping saints for the work of ministry, and building up of the body of Christ. Inspire us to think your thoughts after you, that our wills may be so bound with your will, that we will be obedient disciples of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. We dedicate our whole lives in service to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, May all all who who enter enter these spaces know of the saving saving love of Jesus Christ, Christ, our Lord, who is the same same yesterday, today, today, and tomorrow. We join our lives of faith with all the other saints and sinners through the decades who have called this church their faith home. May we live live up to their example and give us grace to pass down faith to those who follow us. We rededicate our church and our communal life together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
that path to glory. Talk about a child that do love Jesus. He Please pray with me. Let us pray. Lord, here we sit in our newly rededicated sanctuary, and we remember all those who have gone before us in this place and on this ground, and then we remember those in the early church to whom James wrote. And so we pray that you would take us from this place back to the time when these words were first written. May we hear these words like those earliest Christians did. May our faith be built up like theirs was. Unite all of us who follow you, O Christ, in single purpose toward this world that you made and that you love until this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've been looking forward to today for lots of reasons, of course, the beginning of our program year and the rededication of this beautiful space and because we're starting a new sermon series on the book of James. James, over the last couple of years, has been, it's really become one of my favorite books. I mean, they're all wonderful. There's wisdom in all of them. But James has really spoken to me in the last uh, two or three years. And so I'm excited that we're starting this sermon series. We have before us today a reading from the very first verses of James. I'll read those for us now, beginning in James 1, 1 through 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes of the dispersion 
Greetings. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, then ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubt, double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I want to jump right into this book of James and start looking at these opening verses um, because they are so revealing and they are so important. Even, even things that may not look important at first are James's way of introducing us to big, big themes that are going to come up later in this work. And so today's sermon will be sort of an abbreviated introduction to the larger book of James. But we see in these opening verses that so many things that become themes in the larger book are, part, are right here in these opening verses. And so we're going to get a clue here why James is writing in the first place when he says that he is writing this to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. Now, who is he writing to? Well, he is, of course, thinking of himself in the framework of a Jewish Christian. And so when he writes to the 12 tribes, that's an allusion, of course, to all of those Jewish Christians. They were Jewish first before they started believing in Jesus, their Messiah. And so when he says the 12 tribes, he's thinking of those 12 tribes of Israel, and he thinks that they have been dispersed because they have. We think of ancient Israel as that rather small piece of land on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea, and it was, but, but now in the Greco-Roman Empire, all of those Jews and then those Jewish Christians, they're spreading out all over the Mediterranean So you find Christian churches, of course, in in things we think of as modern-day Turkey and then Macedonia and what we think of now as Italy and then all the way across even as far west as Spain and then underneath the Mediterranean in the parts of North Africa. They have been dispersed. Now, that's a very important detail because what it reveals is that they are a tiny fraction of people. They're just a tiny minority of people that are always under threat of being swallowed up by the greater Roman Empire around them. And so James is writing them this letter to remind them of of who they're supposed to be and how they are supposed to act when they are this tiny minority of people in a very pluralistic world. He wants them to have all of these instructions, all of these ideas of how to be faithful to God. How do you stay loyal to Christ in a larger secular world. I mean, you know some about the Greco-Roman world. Now, there are parts of it that are very much like our world today. And if you think about it, how much of the Greco-Roman world and all uh, all of their law, for example, all of their philosophy, all of their ways of thinking, how much of that has been passed down through the ages to us? So much of it. So much of our American life and civilization and and how we even think is based on concepts from the world back then. There's Greek philosophy. There was the democracy of Athens. There was Roman law, Roman senators, Roman government. 
If you studied medicine, you had to learn lots of Latin terms, medicine and theology and law. So much of how they built their society back then is part of our society now. And, of course, like today, the religious landscape back then, it was incredibly pluralistic. We think we live in a pluralistic age now where there were different religions that overlap each other. That is nothing new. That was part and parcel of the world in which those early Christians lived every day. All these different religions, Judaism, Christianity, they coexisted in this larger world of this Greco-Roman system of worship with all of its gods and goddesses and all of these temples and all of these different practices, all of these sacrifices that took place all the time in every city, every town. So James is wanting Christians to know how they can be faithful. How can they be faithful in a larger secular world that does not share their beliefs or their practices? How can they be faithful in a world that is at best indifferent and at worst sometimes hostile to who they are as followers of Christ? That's why he is writing this book. So there are two things that happen in these opening verses that I think are very important for us today, and it helps us understand What's going to happen in this later work in James? You focus on a couple of words. One is alluded to in the first verse, and it comes in that term that James calls himself. Do you see what he calls himself in the opening verses? A servant. He says, I am a servant of God and of Christ Jesus. The word translated in English actually is slave. He says, I am a slave to God. What he means is that he has reoriented his life from serving himself and his own priorities and kind of what he wants to do first and foremost, his own ideals, he has reoriented them now to where he is serving Christ. He has absorbed into himself Christ's priorities and Christ's way of living and Christ's teachings and those have sort of turned his own world upside down, but now he is a servant of Christ and not himself. That's part of the Christian story. So what he is doing here is he is setting up something that will become much clearer in later parts of the book of James, especially in chapter 2. To be a servant of Christ is to be a servant who follows his ways, and his way is always the way of sacrificial love. It's going to come up in chapter 2. We hear this in other places in Scripture, the New Testament. We talk about the higher law of love. In James, he will call it in chapter 2, the royal law of love. And he will quote Jesus's own golden rule, do unto others as you want them to do to you. So James in his mind is on this understanding that to be a servant of Christ is to be someone whose life is governed by sacrificial love, the same love that governed Christ's own life. Christians operate by a higher law. Higher than what? Higher than the secular laws of the Greco-Roman world around them. That everybody is governed by those laws, but what we are governed by, says James and the whole New Testament and Jesus, is a higher law of love that is greater than the secular laws. So in Greco-Roman societies, of course, there were laws, there were property laws, there were property rights, there were law courts. There was restitution in cases of injury or loss. There were laws against damaging behavior like stealing or rape or arson. Citizens lived under these secular laws. But the Christian, 
The Christian, says James in the New Testament, the Christian lives by a higher standard, a higher law, the law of love. And here's the ironic thing. To live by the higher law of love means that you think of yourself as lower and lower. It is this great reversal. There's this great reversal of, of the New Testament where those who are higher think of themselves as lower. That if you want to live by the highest law of love, then you want to become a servant and live lower and lower and serve other people. It really is one of the biggest themes of the New Testament. To be a Christian means being willing to live by sacrificial love and treating other people as more important than yourself. And then James is going to highlight in his letter what Paul highlights in his letters, what Jesus highlights and teaches in his own words, that this servant mentality, this servant mentality is something that we willingly take on, and it is especially incumbent upon the strong toward the weak, and on the rich toward the poor, and the adults toward children, the morally strong toward those who have a weak conscience. If you're strong, then you serve the weak. Now, that's, a just, that's just a total reversal. In our world, the weak serve the strong and the poor serve the rich. But among followers, the whole way of living is turned up. Strong serve the weak. The strong assume this powerful position that they have in among themselves the same mind. This is in Philippians 2. You had the same mind among you that was in Christ Jesus, who didn't account Equality with God is anything to be held on to, but to be let go of so that He can become a servant. Let that mind be in you if you're a follower of Christ. That is, my friends, the essence boiled down of the Christian ethic. Love other people around you with sacrificial love. So it's hard to apply that sometimes, isn't it? Love others, love your neighbor as yourself. Does it hit, does the rubber of that saying hit the road among us in our modern world? I think it does. I think it does. And I don't know that I'm exactly right on this, but here's where I think the rubber meets the road for us with this servant mentality. Now, in our highly developed Western civilization and culture, with all of these laws and rights that are based on laws and rights from the Roman world, we now live in a society where everybody wants to protect and fight and insist and then fight some more for their individual rights to suit their life and their priorities. Everybody wants their freedoms. And if my individual freedom crosses against somebody else's individual freedom, then I'm going to fight them for it. I may, I may take them to court. I may accuse them of all kinds of things. My rights come first over and above the greater good of the community in 21st century America. So what is a follower of Jesus to do? What's a follower of Jesus to do who lives by the higher law of love? That in 1 Corinthians 13, for example, says that love does not insist on having its own way. What personal freedom would you give up in order to make someone else's life better or easier for the sake of the community? The other powerful message in these verses that will be part of the uh, book of James, is this connection that James wants to make between endurance on the one hand and joy on the other. Endurance and joy. And joy is always an outcropping of love. Is there this connection between endurance and joy or love? He says, 
whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it a time to complain? No. To be angry? No. To get mad at somebody else? No. He says, consider it a time of joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and then endurance will make you mature as a Christian. Consider it joy when you have to endure trials. There's no mistaking at all, I hope, on anybody's part that to follow Christ will mean that your faith and your endurance will be tested, sometimes severely. I'm mean, Like all of y'all, I've been watching the news from Afghanistan, and I know that there are churches in Afghanistan, and there are churches, Christian worshipers in the Middle East who are right now in, a, in an underground church, and they are praising God, and they're reading Scripture, and they are singing hymns, and they do so at the very threat of their life right now. What are they enduring? Sometimes your faith will be tested. You'll have times of uncertainty. You'll have times of anxiety. Something will go wrong in your life with your family or your health. You do not know how it will turn out. What do you do? Well, for James, you pray and you endure and you keep trusting God. You keep living in love, and then you realize that God, God promises to come through for you. God promises to come through for you. God will draw you closer to Him through your endurance and through your faith and, and through your love and your joy as you endure. Whatever trial it may be you're going through, God will come through for you, and then you will be a mature Christian full of love. I think about this a lot because I have a tendency to complain sometimes. <laughs> not to you, maybe not out loud so much, but I complain sometimes. And I've even complained sometimes in the last 18 months or so with all of this COVID stuff going on. You can just ask my wife. She knows I'm a complainer sometimes. You know, it's interesting, though. Yesterday, I stood next to Jim Kenny's flag-draped coffin while they played taps for him at his graveside service. I put my hand on that coffin, and I thought about Jim's life and his, this Marine veteran who fought tyranny and oppression in two wars. He was wounded in Korea twice, two different occasions on the same day. After he was wounded, Jane got a telegram that said, Husband wounded in battle, stop. And that's all she knew for days and weeks. Can you imagine the uncertainty in his mind, the uncertainty in her mind, the anxiety and what, what they had to endure? I look at people like Jim Kenny, and then I look at myself. And you know what I say? You are such a wimp. When did you become such a straight-out-of-the-can Vienna sausage little weenie? You are such a wimp. He was a giant. He faced live fire in battle and was wounded twice in one day. And I complain about so many things. And then I walk by all the ministers on the wall, uh, the, the wall of shame maybe out there, the wall of fame. So all the ministers of this church are on the wall out there. And every now and then I'll walk by those ministers and I can just see them rolling their eyes. 
and looking at me and saying, please. Pastor Evans was pastor of this church for 53 years, 1850 to 1903. He sort of sits above my right shoulder out there on that wall. And I go up and look at him, and he looks at me, and he says, Really? You know what it's like to worship in August in that chapel? Before air conditioning and seat cushions on the pews? Do you know what it was like to be pastored during the Civil War? And then the yellow fever epidemic when so many church members died or left Shelby County forever. Do you know what it was like to be pastor during the Great Depression when the church almost went bankrupt? But the First World War, the Second World War, what in the world do you have to complain about? Because I complain about wearing a mask inside. And then those people who have gone before us in this church kind of look at us and say, okay, maybe it's inconvenient, maybe it's something you don't like, but I promise it is nothing compared to what we went through back in our day and age. So suck it up, pull up your socks, and get on with it. I'm tired of being such a wimp compared to other people who've gone before us. Dear friends, I have no idea. I have no idea how much longer all these COVID-restricted limitations are going to last. I don't know, maybe another month. That's what we're going for right now. Maybe another month, maybe for another two months. I have no idea, but I do know that this is a test for us 21st century Christians. It's a test for us. Will we love each other through this? Will we love each other enough to keep on going a little while longer, enduring some things that are inconvenient? Yes. Uncomfortable? Yes. But nothing, nothing compared to what our forebears in this church went through before us, and nothing compared to what people in the Middle East and parts of Asia are going through right now to worship God. We need to stop being such wimps when it comes to all of this. Will we love each other enough to, to rally around each other, even if it's inconvenient and uncomfortable, and will we look at all those others around us, especially if we are healthy, and make sacrifices for those who are not able to get vaccinated or can't get vaccinated? Would we wear a mask for them? Would we be mature enough to love each other and to sacrifice? Will we put love into action and serve each other as I think James is calling us to do? Or will I stick to my own personal choices and the freedoms that I want for myself, my body, my rights, my control, and put self over community? Let endurance have its full effect, James writes, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen. Okay, sisters and brothers, we have been blessed to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us. So let us now stand and with belief in our hearts and in our voices, let us proclaim what it is that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord 
who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the bl- I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As we stand as a people defined by love and goodness and grace, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you so much for speaking to us this morning, for coming in and joining us on the pew and just talking to us. We need to hear you. We constantly need to hear you. And so as you have redeemed us for a purpose, brought us to new life for the reason of sharing that with other people, we stand as your children, as your friends, under your law of love. We stand in the gap for those who are really struggling and aren't feeling that today. We stand with our sisters and brothers in the country of Haiti who have gone through so much disaster politically and now their country is wrecked by an earthquake that has killed hundreds of people. Lord, we remember before you those living out west who are suffering from the ravages of forest fires, wildfires that are consuming gorgeous landscapes already too dry. We ask that your rain would come like a mighty water and calm and cleanse and cool these places. We lift you the hotbeds which are our lives, the divisions that span not just outside but within ourselves, feelings of conflict with all this stuff with COVID and feeling different than others in our family and our friend group. God, we welcome and invite and beg your grace to roll down and lift us up out of the wind and waves that we are focusing on. Keep our minds and hearts firmly fixed on you because it's you alone that can keep us going. And we remember before you our students and our teachers, all faculty administrators as they are getting used to their new normal back in the saddle of a wonderful school year and yet full of uncertainty even still. Surround and protect them with your angels. Give them strength and endurance that faith would be perfected and grown in them by your good work. God, we lift to you all these prayers and the multitude unspoken were the words that you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of the many ways we get to live, we are honored to live differently as a people of love, defined by the goodness of God, is through the giving of tithes and offerings in person and online. And for those of you who are joining us from the comforts of home or wherever you are, we are so glad you're here. And we can't wait to meet you in person, hopefully sometime soon. And we invite you to go to the Giving tab on our main website and participate in God's work there. I invite the ushers now to come forward and receive our tithes and offerings.
let us turn to God in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we offer you these resources, knowing that you will take them and bless them and multiply them and use them to meet the world's needs. May our offerings help ease the pain of those wondering if there really is enough for everyone. We offer to you, too, our very lives. We thank you for the opportunities that you give to us to participate in your life-giving work for the sake of your coming kingdom. Through Christ we pray, and together we say, Amen. Christian friends, remember the words of Scripture that tell us to stand firm, keep alert, be courageous and strong, and let everything you do be done in love. And so, friends, go out into this world to love and serve the Lord, go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.